Hello, and welcome back to the Legends Podcast with me, Sarah Faruya of SF Creative and Sarah Faruya Coaching, where I am rising like a phoenix from the ashes after a one-year break to season seven, where our theme is legends of reinvention, stories of renaissance, and the phoenix rising from the fire. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. So let's get into these creative musings from Sarah and her guests. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to season seven, episode three of the Legends podcast with me, Sarah Furuya. And Today, I'm going to be talking about relationships, or rather one relationship, my relationship. So if you're watching this on video and you can see this lovely picture, this painting behind me, that's me and my husband, Kay, and painted by my friend's daughter. And I just think it's so charming that I put it into a little um, frame. So this week... My husband and I celebrate 21 years together, and I think that's really, really remarkable. And over the years, I have coached many, many, many people um, into, out of relationships. I've had friends get married, get divorced, have boyfriends, girlfriends, remain single, um, uh, change their to same-sex uh, relationships or change their genders and so on. I don't think that's right, change their genders. I think it's re, um, realignment, their, realign their genders. So I have just decided today that I wanted to talk about my relationship. I want to do a disclaimer at the top of this, which is while I'm a relationship systems coach and I can and do sometimes work with couples and can uh, help to steward and facilitate a coaching process for them. I'm not like a relationships counselor. I'm not an expert or anything like that. Um, I'm not judging. I'm not suggesting that one way is better than the other. I'm not suggesting that staying together is better than not being together or um, that staying married is better than being divorced or being single is better than being married or being married is better than being single or it matters how many times you are together um, at all. There is, this is a neutral conversation. Well, it's not very neutral because I'm totally like besotted by my husband at the moment. I say at the moment with, with great deliberation there. Um, uh, I, very deliberately, I should say. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of make a note and make a record of this 21 years together. Um, and I would never have imagined that, not that we would have survived, that's not at all the case, but just it, in the previous podcast that Kath did with me, she said, you know, it's amazing what we can't imagine for ourselves. So I'm very uh, interested to know what I can't imagine for our relationship as we you know, enter our 50s, 60s and 70s if we stay together. And what I couldn't imagine for our relationship the night we met or the when we met or the assumptions that I made, I'm uh, a lot less attached to assumptions these days, especially since I became sober. So only in the last year, I still panic about things. Um, I still 
wish he was probably more like my dad. <laughs> Practical, um, savvy, all these kind of things. But, um, you know, there's just so much good stuff in here and so much learning and take takeaways that I decided to make a long list of all the aspects of my relationship and to share them with you on this podcast. And the reason is our next guest is uh, a real legend, somebody who has quite high profile here in Japan, who found true love later in life. And so it kind of, it tracks a little bit, this does, it really tracks a little bit. So he's, you know, been with his wife for two or three years now, three years maybe. And that, that two years, three years, I can't remember. And that, you know, I was thinking, well, there are many ways to do relationships, many, many ways to have relationships. There are, including being single, including all the different, you know, rainbow of sexuality that's available to people. And I wanted to just muse on the relationship that I have and put it into some kind of place. And, you know, so I've made this this list and I'm just going to start going through it. So number one about um, why perhaps or one of the reasons why we've been together for 21 years is do I love you? So I have two questions I always ask myself. Number two is, is it worth it? So for me to be in the relationship, I constantly ask myself these two questions. Do I love you? Is it worth it? And if one of them's in play, then hang out. If both of them are out of play, then that's when you start. Well, certainly when I start fantasizing about leaving and moving countries and what could you know possibly be ahead for me as a single person. Um, but that's the first question. Do I love you? And when I, I went into therapy a year and a half ago, maybe about two years ago, maybe after. And if you listen back on episode one of season seven, you'll hear the story of my first year of sobriety. And I put myself in real danger at one point uh, from a binge drinking incident. And after that, I thought I really need to go to therapy. What I really needed to do was get an alcohol mindset coach and stop drinking the way I was drinking, stop binge drinking. But at the time, I didn't really get that. I didn't really understand that. So I went for therapy and, you know, told her what had happened and and so on. And I think in therapy, they don't try and push you to stop drinking. They might kind of make a comment that makes you go, hmm. But um, I was also having a really bad time with my husband in my relationship. It was mid-COVID. He'd quit his job. Um, I'd taken him into my business and I thought it was going to be fantastic. And it really, really wasn't. And I was really, uh, do I love you and is it worth it? Both of those were kind of on, on a very, very low they were both running on empty, put it that way. They were running on fumes, if anything else. But I love you was still there really strongly, but I resented the presence of that at the time, I remember, because I can remember talking to my uh, therapist about this and her saying to me, well, what's what's in the relationship? What's what's good in there? What's what What's the thing that she didn't word it like this. She worded it way more skillfully than this. But like, you know, what what makes it worth it? You why are you with him? That was the kind of undercurrent of it, but it wasn't how she couched it. 
And I can remember just crying in, in the room because I didn't want to say the words. It's love. It's love. We really love each other. And I also remember hearing, this is a weird one, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas talking about like what made their relationship work. I mean, theirs is a little bit more absurd because of the age gap and stuff. And they just said, it's love. We love each other. And I think that really does have to be at the bottom of the kind of relationship that Keisuke and I have, where it's a, it's a love relationship. It's not a, an arranged marriage or a marriage of convenience or anything like that that do I love you? Yes. And there's just a terrific amount of love between us. Is it worth it? That's number two. So is it worth it to me means, are you looking after each other? Are you a liability to each other? Are you contributing to the household? Are you able to see into the future together? Are you on the team? I call it team Faruya. We both call it team Faruya. Are you on each other's teams? Are you each other's biggest cheerleaders? Are you you know, are you focused on making the relationship the best it can be for yourself and for the other person as well? And there have been times when that hasn't been the case and we have pulled ourselves back from that and changed. It has to be worth it, right? It has to be worth it. It has to be that when I come home and spend all this time with this person and that I have this long-term commitment to this person, that it has to be worth it. I have to know that they're going to be reliable with their bank account. I have to know that they're going to, um, you know, have my back and be my biggest cheerleader and not be constantly moaning about me. And there is, a, I think there's a way to bring this back because I've seen friends and clients who have pulled this back, who have been in a terrible state of codependence and constant criticism of one another and have pulled it back into a place of real you know, love and honoring and, and passion. Um, and I've also known people who've gone, this is not worth it. it uh, this is not worth it anymore and have found their way out. Um, I've seen people find their way out in dreadful ways. And I've seen people find their way out in really, really um, unique and um, mature and well-organized ways as well. It's never, it's never fun, but uh, I say I have seen people do this really consciously and well. So do I love you? Is it worth it? Those are always my two things that are in play. And right now we are in a phase, uh, you know, one year into sobriety for me and him having seen me go through quite a lot of real emotional and physical problems this year. Um, and he's really on my side at the moment. And also I've started disclosing to him in a really healthy way the kind of things that I want to experience and feel and need at home to make my um, nervous system um, readjust so that home feels like a really safe space to me. And it's not a place where I get criticized or I don't know what's going to happen next. And that the person closest to me is beautiful and loving and patient and kind. Even when I present them a spreadsheet at 10 o'clock at night and go, can you just check this for me? <laughs> or even when I kind of pull back on the money front, which I have done this year, even when I've done things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And the, 
Number three, actually 3.1 is that recovery is absolutely possible for relationships if people are all in. And like I've said, I've, I've got a couple of really specific people in mind where they've been on the brink, really been on the brink, and then they've pulled it back. And I think that that's number three, which is the wish to be a great couple. So Kay and I have a strong wish, a strong, this is not the same for everybody, but we have a strong wish to be a great couple. We have a strong wish to be Sarah and Keisuke, the great couple. <laughs> now that might sound a bit odd and a bit, I don't know, a little bit narcissistic or something, but for me, it means that our third entity, so that the marriage, the, the relationship itself, we're really invested in that part of it. So that I'm invested in myself, I'm invested in him, he's invested in himself and he's invested in me. But there's also whatever we are, we're invested in that too. So we understand there's a coupleness about us that is really important, really tangible and is unique to us. And I really, we we work on making that right at the moment, not in a kind of conscious way, not where we sit down and kind of do therapy talk together or anything like that. Although we have had um, systems coaching with one of uh, Asia's leading uh, systems coach, Elf Coaching, Elf, Elf Arena from Elf Coaching, so the boss of Elf Coaching. And um, she really helped us through that tough time during the um during during the pandemic and I think she could see potential in our our relationship it's like there's me there's you there's the other person and then there's the marriage itself you know how people say oh their marriage is in trouble then they don't say oh those two people are in trouble they say the marriage so it's that kind of unique in systems coaching we call it the third entity so I think we're very deliberately manipulating the third entity at the moment and I use manipulating in, in the same way that you would manipulate dough or clay or something like that to make sure that we have a, we are a great couple and I really like that and, I, and when I and I really enjoy seeing that in other people as well so you know I've got a couple of friends here in Zushi they're a great couple you know and I, I think that there's this it's not just teamwork. It's it's that sense that you know that there's a kind of there's a there's a coupleness to you. There's a coupleness to you. And that requires tending to and looking after in addition to the other person and in addition to yourself. All right. Number four, sexy talk. <laughs> now, I don't have permission to disclose uh, my sex life um, from, <laughs> with my husband and nor do I wish to. So I will say this. Uh, which is very kind of high level is we mark ourselves out as lovers and not friends. So um, we mark us like I have friends and I have my husband and they're different. <laughs> and he and I are good mates as well. You know, we have a good laugh and we, you know, we cycle around together and we do things together and, you know, we're in each other's gang and stuff like that. But I've thought for many years that it like for many years, that it, many, many years that it's important to do something every day that marks us out as lovers and not friends. So that could be a pat on the bum or a little grab or, you know, uh, a cuddle or um, uh, anything like that or things like saying to him, like, you look sexy, 
you know, you have such a nice arse. You have such a nice bum. <laughs> they look, oh man, you look good in those jeans, you know? Oh, you look so cute. Uh, man, you have a hot body. You know, I really love watching it when you're doing your push-ups and stuff like this. So obviously, this is me to him. I don't do a push-up. I can't even do a push-up. So that, and things like that. You know, I can't believe I get to be with you. Things like that, um, I think are really, really important. So, you know, for many people, the kind of hot, passionate sex phase never ebbs off. And they consistently throughout their relationship, which may last for 30 or 40 years, um, have the same amount. I, I can remember hearing um, Richard, oh, oh, Richard E. Grant talking about his late wife on Adam Buxton's podcast and saying that they never, uh, they maintained the same level of making love from until she died at the age of 64 or 65 or something. Wow. <laughs> and I love that he disclosed that as well. It was just like, okay, that's an option. But for me, the most important thing is that every day we do something that marks us out as, um, as not just friends, that we're lovers, that we don't let that aspect of our relationship ebb off. It may not be the Richard E. Grant story, but it's certainly our story. And I think that's, I really do think that's really important. And I really think it's important to allow, let the other person know that they are sexy and vital and sexual and so on. And it's good for the, and, and I don't know what he does in his spare time. You know, he works in Tokyo every day and I live an hour away. So, but. I think it, I do think that's really, really important. This is just my personal opinion. It's my personal opinion. Um, letting somebody know that they are physically attractive to you and that you find them hot and lush and lovely is, is really a great gift. And I think that's something that can really bolster that third entity and that, that coupleness of a couple. Um, so yeah, I'm smiling now as I'm thinking about how, you know, sometimes I still get um, heart. My heart quickens when I know he's coming home, and he always, he looks so good in the tailored suits that he's chosen to. For the last ten years, he's chosen to have all his suits tailored, and he looks good, you know. And I just wanted to let him know that you look good. I love the way you choose your shoes and your suit together. They look good you know, and then just give his bum a little pat on the way out the door. <laughs> and we tell each other we love each other about a million times a day as well. I think that's really important too. Number five, staying power. Now, again, there is absolutely no judgment on this, none whatsoever. 21 years together in a mixed uh, relationship. So bicultural relationship. I don't live in my home culture. I have to rely on him for a lot. And w w our, our communication is not um, top, top shelf communication because he's in his second language. I'm very verbal, very, very verbal. And um, he's not even in his own language. And so I found myself frustrated in the past about things like that. Less now, again, since since sobriety, less so. Um, so, and also just the ups and downs of of being in a in a relationship for that long, 
And in order to stay together and stay faithful, and again, I can only speak for myself on that. I have absolutely no interest in what he's done in the past is staying power. So recover, we can recover from setbacks. We have patience, loyalty, um, and we try to be on each other's teams. And when we're not on each other's teams for extended amounts of times, then the conversation does turn to, um, you know, not serious discussions about divorce, but it does get peppered and littered with stuff like that. He will often tell me that he can't handle being this kind of relentless nagging or criticism that I give. And I will, you know, be evidently unhappy. But we have staying power and the ability to recover. And I've seen that in others too. I've seen that in others too. Um, and I also have a very close friend who's just decided that she's going to leave her husband. There's no other people in play in that in that relationship. And she likes him very much, but she's realized it's reached the end. And that's not staying power, right? That's not what I'm talking about there. There's something else. It's not that I would say to her, oh, you should need a bit more staying power there. She had it, but then she came to the end of it. And, you know, um, I know other people as well who, you know, if it's, if it's, you'll stay and you'll stay and you'll stay until it just becomes not worth it anymore because there's not enough there to, to keep a human feeling right and good in themselves, I think. Number six, commitment. <laughs> just very simply. And I would add to that, take nothing for granted. So I have a commitment to my husband and it's very old fashioned, isn't it? It's just like, I'm committed to him and I'm committed to the marriage. We're very independent as well. And I also, I take nothing for granted. So I don't take it for granted that I can just treat him like shit for years, withdraw um, affection or withdraw my physicality from him completely. And that he'll just stick around because of the commitment. So uh, that commitment has a, a, you know, star next to it that says, you know, there also needs to be an element of um, not taking things for granted as well. And I don't think either of us takes the other for granted. Um, I think we have a confidence in the relationship, but we don't take anything for granted. Number seven, I'm a systems coach, so this is going to be here, Gottman's. Gottman's um, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So uh, Gottman and his wife, John Gottman and his wife, um, studied relationships for many years. And they identified four, what they call the four horsemen. And if they, uh, there are perpetual problems in relationships, but if these things are, are present too much, there's a whole, there's a whole framework around this, but it really helped to save my marriage because I realized that we were using them. So if these are perpetually in the system, um, perpetual there are perpetual problems that are in a in a system and you know they're just like little itty bitty things or they can be things that are just there all the time I'm not articulating this very well um I usually have a text that I'll, I'll look at before I teach and deliver this but um if if there's these things are present in more in a ratio that's really high um the four horsemen are blame and criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, which means kind of shutting down and not talking and not not responding, like so kind of active avoidance of communication, 
or punishing avoid punishing uh, quietness and then the worst one which is contempt name calling bullying and stuff like that I can get into that I can be really mean and when those are present in our relationship it's it's really not good it's not fun at all and I want us and he wants us to have a really great relationship <laughs> like one that you know it could be legendary you know it could be the stuff of legend oh yeah they were a good couple that's who I want to be you know I really want I want that for myself and um it's just something fun to hang things on but when I learned about these four horsemen it really switched me on and we started to switch over into more like being thankful uh openly thankful to one another I can really remember it in our old house because you can slip into that kind of just oh you know like just criticizing everything you can't even stand you can you can't stand their hair you can't stand the the way they do the dishes all this kind of stuff you know and that criticism and then if you try and approach about something and there's just this defensiveness there all the time or you're making bids for connection and they're rebuked and uh you know it's it, it this is all of Gottman's work it's really worth a little look at if you just look at the wiki page, it's quite useful, I think. So Gottman Systems Coaching, come back to it all the time. Um, if you can remove the four horsemen and have a ratio of 20 to 1, something like that, positive to negative uh, comments present in your system all the time, every day, then your relationship has a lot greater chance of surviving but also for me it's just that I want to enjoy it you know I don't want to live my 50s 60s and 70s just in this constant kind of disgust at the person with me but just staying for the loyalty commitment and faithfulness of it on the other hand I'm going to skip to number nine because it feels like the right thing to do is companionship so there is something to be said for companionship. I've seen people in older generations who bicker constantly and who just seem to be disgusted by each other, who seem to have a, just a great sense of commitment and companionship. So that is a great reason to be with a person. It's a great reason is companionship. If you are not, you know, if that's what you want, companionship, not and let me be really clear this is not oh it's better to be with somebody than not be with somebody but having that companion really feels lovely number eight is actually respect for each other but also respect for the relationship itself so I think respect is really important and I think that I have lost respect for my husband at certain points and that's not been good because it's been so horrible for him and his his um sense of self and his I'm going to say ego but I mean ego in a really good in a in a positive sense here and it was just very upsetting for him and he got very upset at times and he wouldn't respect me for other reasons and you end up in this kind of disrespect loop and again in the and one way out of that was the Gottman the Gottman work another way out of it was just to say do I love you is it worth it another one is just the rhythms like the rhythm maybe that happened in the pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic we were better <laughs> you know things just got better and also me emerging from sobriety and just being so grateful to him for having um tolerated my drinking all those years 
not but I don't think he thought it was all that odd to be honest with you um but but also how at first he wasn't supportive at all and I had to really school him on it like this is a big thing I'm doing he just didn't think it was that big why are you buying non-alcoholic beer it's just the same it's just the same as drinking beer like I had to kind of tell him about that and you know because he just wasn't respecting me there was no respect there and that was that was layering on more pain for me as I went through a really hard transition in my life um but that was born out of a a, a perpetual disrespect that was happening inside the system and we managed to get it back because he did start to and now he he goes out he'll rent a car to go and buy me my favorite non-alcoholic beer from a supermarket because there's nowhere local that, that gets it you can get it from from here so that's that recovery piece coming back in again but also it's like a really strong respect and looking after each other finding the right we say in systems coaching when when we're co co-facilitating is to always find the right find the right in the other person and find the right in what's going on and it's making such a difference i hope we can maintain it sustain it at uh, number 10 this is a really really important one is financial stability i think that if you can't, if you don't have financial stability inside a relationship, it can be outstandingly stressful. And even then, I think it can be quite stressful. Um, so I think that's something we're really working on. He's excellent with finances. And again, that's something I've really come to realize. I'm good at making money. Um, and I'm good at having visions and big, big visions for things, but I'm not really good at implementation on things. Um, but financial stability is so, so important. And I would even go so far as to say that one of the things that I think in a heterosexual couple is important is that the woman has some kind of agency financially. Um, I really, really think that. I really believe that. This year, I've, I've flipped that script because I actually wanted to have a rest and to withdraw a little bit and to be looked after financially a little bit just because... That's what I wanted. I wanted to feel that sense of being nurtured and looked after. Um, I've still brought in a few million yen. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm still good at making money, but financial stability is so important in the persist the long term success of a marriage. I think, and that doesn't mean that both partners have to bring in money. I think it is. Um, it is important though. It's really important because it just puts so much stress on the system. And then maybe being able to meet um, financial changes with some kind of grace and resilience. I don't know. Number 11, in it together. Yeah, we're in it together. I love that. And I love that about our kind of circumstances changing over the last few years, uh, that we really feel like we're in it together. Number 12, neither of us has fucked the other one over. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what what made me write that down. Oh, right. So I think this is, I'm having a little non-alcoholic beer now. So Ugh. yummy. So I think what that means is it's a bit related to um, financial stability and being in it together is that neither of us has ever made a bonkers purchase that has put the other in danger. Neither of us has uh, drained the other's bank account or or refused to pay a bill or something like that um neither of us has has done anything sneaky like you know and neither of us has done anything like started a business and then but not managed it right and then 
you know, it's gone down the toilet or something like that. So neither of us has fucked the other over. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really important in a marriage. We haven't, we, we haven't done anything as far as I know. Well, as far as I know, I would be able to tell you, neither of us has done something so wildly stupid or so wildly thoughtless or so wildly narcissistic or so wildly out there that has put a massive, massive danger and pressure on the other. And I think that's really important too, to the longevity. And again, I just want to remind you that I don't think that that's necessarily a great thing. Sobriety. <laughs> um, actually, we were great drunks together as well. Uh, we had so much fun, like going out and drinking places, going to craft beer places. I've really missed that, you know, testing wine together, going to sake breweries, all this kind of stuff. But I think essentially the longevity of our relationship is bolstered now by my sobriety. Number 14, we have large, large swathes of time apart. <laughs> now, this isn't for everybody, but it has always been a part of our relationship because I'm from England and he's from Japan. I've just, you know, always gone home for big trips and he hasn't been able to take the uh, time off. So that's been great and we still do that now and I think for me it's a really important part of our relationship staying on track because I like to be on my own a lot and I like to be able to just go off and do my own thing as well without another person that I'm really affected by other people um I don't want to say like energetically or something like that but just emotionally and spiritually I'm very affected by other people like scanning what they need and wondering if it's okay and wondering if they want to do the same thing as me and I just love being able to go at my own pace taking time away and so on and we've always done that um here's one that's just a straightforward one number 15 and I don't know if this contributes but this is part of who we are as a couple is and this is so unusual both of our parents sets both sets of parents are alive and together which is really unusual. So I think that means that there's just that sense that that's a possibility there. Now, again, I don't think that we'll be together forever and I don't think we, we won't. I don't take anything for granted. However, that I think is, I don't know, there's probably some statistics somewhere about that. It's unusual that they're all alive and it's unusual, touch wood, and it's unusual that they're all together that's not a given by any stretch of the imagination for that generation. So um, that's an interesting one. Just wanted to drop that in. And um, we knew our grandparents as well. So his grandparents um, were together until eight years ago when his granddad died at the age of 90. Grandma's now 95. Um, she's she's like oh take me away and she still talks to him I when I'm there I hear her talking to him like she goes to the um in Japan we have these butsudan these uh like little tiny altars like little altars with um doors on the front and you light incense and you hit a chime and then you chant and you can talk to to him she's saying to him like I'll be with you soon <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, and that was, that was, that was one of the things I think 
he and I being able to watch that relationship and how much she misses him and how great they were together. I mean, I don't know great they were together. Actually, my grandparents who who I knew um, were great together. They just seem to be very happy together and good team. So I've got these really great role models in that generation, in the grandparent le level of the generation and who lived a long time. And yeah, so just knowing the companionship there and Casey will talk about that in a really gentle way, how important it is to have a companion or to have somebody to live for, to have somebody that you need to take care of and look after. And when I understood that about my husband, I would surrender a bit more because I've always been like this, um, you know, super independent, strong woman, you know, oh God. And I think there's a place for that. And I think that's brilliant. But when I soften and I allow him to look after me more and I surrender into that and my body just surrenders into that, it's good for both of us. And now, you know, there's a part of me that kind of resents that. Why do I need to be this kind of vulnerable, soft person who hands myself over to him? But also when I put it against the context of seeing his grandparents together and the kind of interdependence they had with each other, if I let myself be if we let ourselves be each other's support system in a real in that way it doesn't mean that I just kind of give up and and start you know becoming a housewife or not being strong anymore or you know um what do you call it like deferring to him or being obedient to him and things like that that's not what I'm talking about <laughs> and I don't know why I feel the need to qualify that but you know uh, maybe it's my generation, but um, or because I'm shaking off, a, I'm going over an edge and I'm shaking off a, an old self. It's just that softness and the and letting him be the boss sometimes. And you know, he told me sometimes, like, you're like a man. He, he said that to me like three or four years ago. You're just like a man, you're like a man because I was so and it was really stereotyped and, and I. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's there's a whole slew of questions that I have about that comment. But I understand what he means. It's like, can you not just let me look after you a bit? Can you not just let me be the boss for a bit? Just, just a bit. Just hand over 1% of that to me. Just give me that, for God's sake. Just as a human. Anyway, let's get on to the next one, which I think kind of addresses these uh, gender roles a bit more. So uh, grandparents. OK, number 17 is or maybe 16. I can't remember is I have same sex role models. So uh, my brother's married to a man. So I have these role models that I can look over to. And because there's no gender roles in that relationship, that's a great role uh, that's a great model for how a relationship where gender's not a, an issue or it's not even part of the relationship, how the um, distribution of labor happens, how the gratitude happens, how the taking for granted happens, how a house is set up, how a home is set up in a same sex relationship. One of the reasons I've realized now that I didn't want to have children was because I knew that it would force me into a gender role that I didn't want. I knew that it would force me into a gender role that I didn't want. So 
um, that I didn't want too much. I do want to be able to have a lot of control over um, the 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 patriarchal norms that I have to live in anyway, necessarily so. And I want to be able to um, bring my femininity to the fore and my masculinity to the fore in whatever way that I want to. Um, but having these older, you know, the grandparents level relationships and having same sex relationships. I mean, my brother's not the only person I know who's in the same sex relationships, but having those in my view really helps me to understand the kind of it gives me agency and authority in the relationship and my husband as well, because he can look there as well and be like, oh, I see that's that's how two men do it or I can look see, oh that's how two women do it together they didn't have to be like and one's the more feminine one so they do this that and the other it's just very simply you know who gets home first or who's good at who who prefers cooking who who's better at booking hotels who's better at getting on the phone to to complain about something you know and it's it's really refreshing that is, and I've found that to be such a an enormous, an enormously great role model gift to have in my system of relationships. Gosh, when I think about it, I've got quite a lot of good stuff in in here as well. Uh, number eighteen, different interests. We have vastly different interests. He loves to go hiking. I like hiking actually, but I just don't want to go. And I like staying at home and having the house to myself when he goes hiking. Um, we have vastly different interests. We have different tastes, different tastes in music, different tastes in movies, different, um, yeah, just different interests. And I think that's important. Um, we don't really do anything. We don't go ballroom dancing together or anything like that. He hates the beach. He doesn't like getting sandy. I love the beach. Um, he loves the riverside, but I like, yeah, I like the seaside. Um, I win. <laughs> Um, he he's not a great swimmer. I love swimming, although he has learned to swim because he just realized how much fun he was missing out on. So I think that's different interests. But his willingness to learn to swim was something that was so tender to me. I it's one of the things that gives me the most joy. We went to Okinawa to Miyakojima down uh, one of the southern islands of Japan. And he swam on his own backwards and forwards and he just looked like he was enjoying it so much and I was so proud of him and I think that's another thing that makes you know our relationship long and good is like that looking at each other and just being like oh look at him doing the thing and he does that to me as well oh look at you even if we're just doing the dishes or something look at you or eating or using chopsticks or something or just cute things that we watch each other doing um, so then we also have a lot to learn from and about each other. So we keep learning about each other and we keep learning from each other. I, you know, I'm really leaning into his skills now uh, um, and allowing myself to ask for help, which hasn't come easy to me. That's really stereotyped for the strong woman archetype. Um, and, you know, for people who have, you know, maybe got punished for asking for help in the past. It's really hard um, to to ask for help, but that's something that I've learned to ask for from him or just be interested in things. 
Um, his latest thing is he's decided he doesn't want a TV. So we don't have a TV at the moment. We do. It's just in the bedroom, like just hanging out in the bedroom. But it's not in the living room. And he, I really like that about him. So if I went down now, usually he'd be watching TV. But maybe he's just, I mean, you know, you find yourself busying yourself with other things. But it does mean we're having more chats. And, you know, the idea is we both sit there reading a book. Of course, we'd sit there scrolling or whatever, or he plays a game or he's learning Russian. Um, I doesn't bother me one way or the other because I go to bed quite early. But um, these days, I know I used to. Uh, and I was a bit like, oh, really? You're going to get rid of the TV? He'd been talking about it for a while, but just thought it was a bit of a madcap thing because he loves watching Japanese TV. And I don't resent him that I do. I don't. I do. I don't. I, I, I enjoy him laughing as I can remember my dad used to laugh out loud watching comedy shows like Only Fools and Horses when we were little. And it would really wind my mum up. But I actually am the opposite. When I see my husband laughing his head off at Japanese TV, which I loathe, um, he it just makes me so happy. It makes me so, so, so happy. So, um, yeah, learning from each other learning from each other you know I've I've always been the one who's like learn from me because you know I'm a, a learner and an educator and all that kind of stuff but that was back before sobriety when I was a bit more arrogant number 20 supportive so we're really supportive of one another um he's extremely supportive of me and I like to think I'm really supportive of him as well um we like each other um number 21 perspective so okay so this is I run a grief circle so I have really strong perspective on losing people so I think that's helped me in this 21 years especially recently to really really appreciate him because you know there are people in there who've lost their partners or lost their husbands um or, you know, we've lost parents and then the other parent, they describe what's happening for the other parents. And, you know, it makes me appreciate little things like I actually have <laughs> a Instagram called Case Socks, <laughs> where I take a photograph of his discarded socks. And this this happened a few years ago. It happened when we were living in the old house. And I think he left for Chile. He used to work in Chile. He always used to leave his, he'd come in, just leave his socks every night. And of course, the stereotype of the wife is, why are your socks here? Do you have to leave them here every night? Um, but I think he went off to Chile and he'd left his socks there. And I really loved that there was a little trace of him there. And, that, you know, if the socks aren't there, then what's the alternative? That means that he's not there one way or the other. So, I actually have a whole Instagram called at K socks. Please go and follow. It's not private. It's public, but I think I've got six followers, three of my other three accounts, three or four fetishes, or maybe a couple of people who I disclosed that to who are in the grief circle. Cause we were talking about somebody brought up socks, like somebody brought up, like I just really miss uh, seeing their socks on the floor or something like that. We were talking about the mundane being sacred and, uh, I just was like, what? You know, we call it the magic. We say, let it be huge. And I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I have a whole Instagram account <laughs> with my husband's socks. 
And they were like, what? And I so showed them and I said, please go and follow me. It's just my husband's socks. Go and join the, the three foot, foot, foot fetishes over there. And uh, yeah, so it's these, it, I think this is all part of storytelling, which I love so much. And legend, you know, legends, like literally the storytelling kind of legends is that we create our own legend around ourselves and we create our own myth around ourselves. If we had children, then we'd be creating our myth around them and uh, around that. We're happy being auntie and uncle, you know, to, to all the kids. But like, I really, I'm getting the sense now as I'm talking, and this is the joy of coaching, is that one of the measures of success and of appreciating one another and of happiness for us too is that uh we create this myth around one another and the socks is part of that and the fact that I've made an Instagram about it is part of that and that that the socks have become such a motif for partnership and for tenderness and they're just such an everyday thing discarded socks so you know you end up with like dogs have socks and they love socks so that you know people are sending photos of their dogs with socks in the mouths and just these little it's like a little trace of a person it's proof of life it's it's making the mundane sacred and I I really I really love that notion and doing that together like Kay's not a man of many many words so he doesn't reason things through in this way, but he has this really strong sense of these things. So that if I start doing that, making the mundane sacred, or if he starts doing it, there's a he'll notice and pick up on it, but in a much more kind of ethereal way, in a much more quiet way. Um, 22, we had previous partners, but we never did a full rundown and have met previous partners or been invited into their lives. So we both, ha so this is part of the thing I'm like, you know, this is not like a showing off, oh, look at my marriage and blah, blah, blah. I was with somebody for four years prior to moving to Japan. Um, we split up in 2001 when I moved to Japan. He's a great guy who I still love dearly and his sisters as well. I really like them too. But, um, you know, that was four years and we lived together. So that's basically uh, a failed marriage, you know, and I had other relationships prior to that, you know, fairly long term ones. I suppose I was a serial monogamist with some with some spice in the middle, <laughs> with some with some spicy stuff in the middle. But um, yeah, so I've been with Casey since I was 31 and I was with my previous partner from 26 to 30. And I was with my previous partner from 24 to 26. Um, so, yeah, you know, I had some long-term relationships before. And also, like, Keisuke's met one of my partners, Tom, and he's stayed at our house and we've had dinner together in the in England and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm really like my former partners, and I think that's quite healthy. Not all of them. <laughs> not all of them you know I've refused friend requests from some quarters but um yeah but I also have such a great deal of um 
I had such a good time, even in the rubbish relationships, I had a good time. There was, there was things that were so valuable in those relationships. And I know, you know, looking at me and Keisuke and knowing me and Keisuke, you would, you would never put us together. Why do we work? Look, I mean, he's so much shorter than me. Tamara did this to, to scale <laughs> and we're so different, but I don't know what it is. Like, I think both of us had a really strong confidence and sense of self when we met. I was drunk the night we met, obviously. I fell off my bike and I still got a scar on my hand from that. And he would pick me up. So he knew what he was getting into from the first night. And uh, yeah, I mean, he knew what he was getting into there. And I asked him if he misses that person. I don't think he does. I think he's quite happy with who I am now as well. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's funny. So, uh, and he's shown me all the photographs of his former partners and, uh, you know, but, but also we've never done a full run. We've never sat down and gone, right, tell me all about all the people you've ever slept with and all the, I don't want to know. And I don't need to know. That's not, that. that's for me, that's rom-com territory. I don't need to know all of that. I just, all I, I need to to know is that when we're when we're together that we're we're good to each other and we're on each other's teams and that we are constantly adding value to one another and that we are making each other feel attractive and loved and okay and that our nervous systems are really calmed and cool in each other's company more than anybody else uh, that we can really rely on each other to to look after each other. Yeah, I don't need to know a laundry list of all his his ex conquests or anything like that, or you know anything anything like that. Um, we say thank you to each other all the time, even for tiny little things we do for each other. Now, I think we've been trying to do this for years. We went off a bit during uh, the pandemic because it was just so fraught being at home and having that kind of instability in play and having that the, there was just so much happening at once there um but even back in our old I can just really remember in our old flat we used to live in in Tokyo in Nakano that we would just he would just say thank thank you for the tiny things and every single day he says thank you for, to me for taking out the rubbish that's my my first job of the day is I take all the rubbish out and he will either wash the dishes in the morning or put the dishes away and I generally speaking, wash the dishes. I do most of the cooking. Um, he does critique the cooking, which gets on my nerves because I have absolutely no interest in being master chef. But um, I but I really enjoy cooking nourishing meals for him, even though I'm absolutely rubbish at it. Um, but he's always very grateful. And we just try to be very grateful and just say thank you for the little things. Like when he says that, oh, thanks for doing that, sir. It makes me feel so happy and so relaxed. And, and you know, something I'm really wanting to do is manage my nervous system better. And he, and he needs to be, I've been really clear about this as well. He needs to be part of that. He needs to be part of that, um, not in a codependent way, but just in a really kind of like, this is a requirement that I have. I need to feel very safe and uh, calm at home. And uh, he wants that too, obviously. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> so um, 
And he's, I think we're both understanding that now, uh, that we both want to create a calm and safe and um, cooperative and loving and relaxed and, you know, like that we're the best people for each other to be in company with, you know. I watched this interview with somebody recently and they said, um, your company had better be better than my solitude. Your company had better be better than my solitude. And that's kind of what I I appreciate in our relationship right now, especially is that we don't really put too much pressure on each other to, to do this or that or the other. Um, and we are, yeah, in each other's company. And we say thank you for all the little things. So that's my little 23, list of 23 things. There's no reason why it's 23 long besides that um, I was on the train. And these were the markers that just popped into my head that made me think about like what has contributed to the longevity of my relationship. And like I said, it hasn't been a consistent ball of passion and I've thought about leaving before and I'm sure he's thought about leaving before. Um, but we found our way back to each other. And I think that's really, I think, you know, when something's really broken beyond repair, like that it's that that you're done, you're done there or not that it's even broken beyond repair. Or it's just it's run its course or you don't want it. Sometimes it's really violent and it splits, it ruptures open and it causes great damage. And sometimes it's just really gentle, like I don't want this anymore I want something more than this and I don't see how I can find my way back into this with you um and sometimes like like Kay and I at the moment we're just very um I feel like we're building really gently uh a, a landscape of calm and fun and quiet and being on each other's team and letting each other giving each other a lot of space and a lot of support and um you know and as i said like we've uh, we've supported each other financially in certain phases and this is the first time i've ever really 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 surrendered to a kind of long uh longish you know like months long of um you know not not completely like i said i'm still earning uh, not earning i'm still i'm still making money but i felt it, it it's given me a, a a different level of appreciation for the having another person and being able to surrender to that like i've had to surrender to a great deal these last few years you know i have to surrender to transitioning out of my fertile years into my non-fertile years which I'm treating now as a terrifically rupturing rite of passage literally and um of going sober I mean that's the that's the biggest one I mean if you go and listen back on episode one I give a little bit of information about that and you know and and then just saying, I need to slow down a late stage ADHD diagnosis, which I haven't had the diagnosis for yet, but it, it 
it just tracks so very strongly. And all of those going out of balance at once and then just thinking, I am tired. I'm absolutely exhausted. And not being able to kind of just fight, fight, fight or not even wanting to anymore and, you know, being resilient and pushing through and all that kind of stuff. Just thought, you know what, I want a bit of a rest. I want a little, I want to rest. And inside that rest, I'm going to ask for help. And I'm going to allow myself to be looked after financially by this person for a short spell, for a spell of time. And I'm going to lean into more of that. As it happens, I've, I've made myself busy because I got really creative again once I'd kind of surrendered to everything and once things had calmed down and once the sobriety had settled in, of course, I started to feel much more creative and settled. And But the pace is slow and the the love I feel for this man who has said, yeah, I will, I will support you financially for a spell. I will pick up the slack for a spell. That is just, it's so, it, it's, we've done it with such intention and such integrity. Um, and it feels so um, risky for me. It feels really, really, uh, it does feel really, yeah, it feels really risky. <laughs> yeah, to say that and to admit that. But it's, in this 20 year at this 21 year point it's really revealing a lot more to me about myself and about him and about relationship dynamics and about regeneration and rest and recuperation and about how there are many different ways to go through this phase of a life. Some people I heard the other night, the other day on a different podcast, you know, 30% of people won't feel anything. It will 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 just breeze through their menopause years. 30% of people will, you know, have some uh feel some effects from it. And 30% of people will have an absolute shit show. And I'm in the shit show. <laughs> area but that's going to be righted soon and and out of sobriety has come that and he's been he's been great because of course he has to kind of witness me doing terrible things um or going through terrible things of being unbelievably upset and not knowing what to do or like just being extremely depressed and being worried about that and not not knowing how to what to do or how to fix it and things like that so, but we've found our way into this very lovely place, I think, at the moment where I think he's quite, I don't know, I don't know, this is my assumption, but I think he's quite enjoying being the the guy who brings, brings home the money at the moment. <laughs> I don't think it's going to go on for too much longer. And again, like I said, I'm still, I've still earned millions and millions of yen this, this year, but still, it's uh, it's it's nice to hand over that authority, that agency to him, and to watch him taking it on. It's really sexy <laughs> to watch him taking on that that role, um, and to for me to be able to kind of 
take off the strong woman, strong independent woman role a bit. Um, and I mean, but it, but it actually bolsters a, a really strong integrity level, my strong independent woman role, because I'm not trying to be, it's not that I ever was trying to be that role, but it was very deliberately that role and, and in that role and in that energy. And now I'm able to shape shift and trickster, be a bit more trickster in in the uh it's re it's been really nice i've i call it nana energy because my grandma was looked after financially by my granddad and i really enjoyed her so much i loved her so much and i really enjoyed her company so much and i enjoyed her and i enjoyed them so much that when i feel i i, I look to her and think like i don't look down on her i don't look down on the fact that she decided to devote her life to to never learning to drive and to but she was a strong independent woman as well she wouldn't take shit from anybody but she and it but it also didn't feel like she was like they felt very gentle together my grandparents did and she didn't work and I and I just think right I'm gonna have a bit of that Hilda energy I'm gonna have a bit of that I'm gonna have a bit of that kind of let myself be looked after kind of thing for a little while because I haven't cashed those chips in yet it's always been me grinding 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 <laughs> um and and then build back in a sensible way which suits both of us and which is sustainable and which can take us into our 60s and he's got a his latest uh, goal is to be able to do a backflip at 50 I bet he could do one now to be honest with you but he might damage himself but which basically means he wants to be in great shape, nimble, fit, which he is. And I would like that too. And uh, for myself too, to really start to to enter into my uh, non-fertile years in a, in a really delightful, relaxed, reformed, new, softer, um, unbothered I am always I'm still bothered now though but this is a goal right this is a vision I'm holding for myself confident and just kind of I'm focused on creating and making things and focused on making my home and my home life and my relationship beautiful but also knowing that again like I don't take anything for granted and that it takes tending to and I and if we are going to go into our 60s and 70s together that we are just doing that in the most intentional and loving way we possibly can and I feel like we're on that track um, and I feel like we are maybe I don't know I feel really nice having recorded this actually and if you listen to it thank you so much it's <laughs> something of a feat but um yeah just that that intentional way and you can do I think you can build this out if you're going through a divorce if you're going through a separation if you've decided or that if you and your husband you know are or you and your partner or you and your wife or you and your uh person um 
aren't even going to be together that there's this really intentional way to do it in a in a juicy way if that's available to you it's not always available to people especially in these cross-cultural relationships but I'm not here to talk about relationships I'm here to talk about my relationship and share the stories of it and share the myths and the legends I could re-record this and have 23 different items on it it's just where I am today here the observations I make the intentions that I put into into our relationship uh, maybe I'll ask my husband if he wants to record a podcast with me one day it might be a bit boring actually <laughs> he doesn't have the same uh, uh voc verbal verbose verb yeah verbal way with him that I do but um his skills lie in different way different places but he's excellent company so maybe <laughs> but yeah so this is all about relationship it's all about relationships and it was sparked by my next guest who's coming next week who is a really amazing guest such a good story such a long podcast as well actually such a long uh, conversation because his story is so um full and long and so many twists and turns and the phoenix rising from the fire so many times because this person was a professional athlete and they uh and professional athletes have to constantly reinvent themselves because their physical capabilities change and how do people do that how do people reinvent themselves how do they rise like phoenix from the flames of like injuries and breakages and all, all that kind of stuff and i feel that me and my husband are rising our relationship is rising right now like a phoenix from the fire and it was in terrible jeopardy and i feel like we are reinventing ourselves but in a very gentle way it was still the same two people who met that first night to be honest and that there's a renaissance i think that's the best way to put it a renaissance in our relationship and i've seen this happen with a lot of friends as well that they have these renaissance they're, they're close to they're like oh my god i just i don't know if i can just do this anymore they're doing my head in so much and we start talking about exit strategies and so on and then something happens where the relationship gets to show itself so it's not like the other person proves themselves but the relationship gets to show itself in its fullness and that fullness may be that you split up and that fullness may be that you um relent and that you come back to each other and the relationship comes back to itself um i take nothing for granted and i ask the question do i love you is it worth it and right now I love him very much and it's very, very much worth it. And it's uh, a true renaissance um, as I go through a renaissance, as he goes, approaches his 50th birthday and, you know, he's going through his own re renaissance that it's very interesting to imagine what might happen next. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this little missive about my relationship and it's 21 years ago this weekend that we met 2002 in a pub me drunk on guinness and and beers and him tipsy and uh yeah and then scooping me up off the floor when i hurtled down the road and then just called me the next day and it was his confidence that i was drawn to i, I mean he's a very sexy man as well but like you know the thing that 
kept me compelled was he was just so confident and no bullshit. And he said the same for me. He said, like, I could just tell you were a no bullshit person. I mean, he's found out since that there's plenty of bullshit, but <laughs> I know what he means. I know what he means, like straight to the point. So that's our little spicy story. And tune in next week. Uh, like and subscribe. That really helps. And uh, drop me a little uh, five stars and recommend to a to a friend. This is just a, a missive of my relationship. And I'll see you in two weeks time for the next Creative Musings with me, Sarah Furuya. And join me next week with my special guest, who's a celebrity and a professional athlete who found love true robust amazing love later in life and you can hear all about that next tuesday okay bye thank you so much for listening to these creative musings and stories of reinvention and if it's guests week big love and gratitude to our guests go follow them everywhere Shout out to Laura Maroshima for her podcast management and support. I would love if you would follow and subscribe this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend you think would love or benefit from it. You can also find me at Sarah Brewery Creative on Facebook and Instagram and get on my occasional, very occasional newsletter list at sarahbrewery.com. I just love that you're here and I'll catch you the next time on the Legends Podcast. Rise like a phoenix, baby. And don't forget to take other people with you. Bye.